So I've noticed, I can see out in the crowd that, fe- uh, that Seahawk fever has swept the region. The ushers and greeters are wearing Seahawks jerseys. Some of you, um, if you're like me, I already have my outfit planned. I'm not currently wearing my Seahawks outfit, but I'm going to be. And, and then there's those of you that are wearing your jerseys right now. I, I was downtown Seattle earlier this week, and anyone been downtown lately? It's pretty fun, right? You got the Space Needle with the flag up there, and you got, I was in the Pike Place Market, and they got Seahawks stuff all over the place. Emily Faber, is Emily Faber here? She's in the nursery. Emily Faber, she's a, an incredible barista, and she, you know how they do the foam art? She did a Seahawk foam art. I wish I should have gotten a picture of it, but she did the pouring until it looked like a Seahawk. I mean, this is incredible what is going on in this region right now. But I want to remind you, it hasn't always been like this, right? Right? I mean, we went through some, some tough years. I used to be a season ticket holder, and uh, it was the first year we had made it to the playoffs in just forever. It was 1998 or 1999 with John Kitten as the quarterback, and uh, for last year in the kingdom. And we had some tough years. In fact, 1992, uh, we went 2-14. and 2-14 14. Two and 14 means we won two games, <laughs> and we lost 14 games. And it was pretty... Um, Pathetic. I mean, it really, it was an awful time. But we had this stud of a defensive lineman. Like, just Hall of Fame caliber stud of a defensive lineman. Does anyone remember his name? Cortez Kennedy. I mean, just, I love this guy. you got to remember, I'm 12 years old. I'm a huge fanatic. I'm still, I'm the only one in all of Seattle watching the games because they're losing every game. And then I'm listening to the after-game, you know, post-game interviews, and they're interviewing Cortez, and they go, at this point, they were one and seven, one win, seven losses. They go, Cortez, you know, how, how do you stay engaged? How do you, you know, continue to, you know, work hard and, and when you're having this much trouble, when you're at one and seven? He goes, if we win the next eight games in a row, we'll be nine and seven, and we have a chance to make it to the playoffs. And I was just like, yeah! And I, I'm running home to my dad, who's a real realist, a.k.a. pessimist, and I'm like, Dad, all we have to do is win eight games in a row, and we're going to be nine and seven, we're probably going to go to the playoffs. And then my dad said his pessimistic thing, whatever it was. But last week we talked about the Holy Spirit being poured out at Pentecost and how important it is that this actually happened. Every one of us as Christians, that was a huge encounter, a huge day for us. It's important that we now are filled with the Holy Spirit. Even today as we are worshiping and everything we say and everything we do is influenced by that pouring out of the Holy Spirit. But now go back a couple of days. When Jesus died, think about that day. Think about, I mean, use a sport, uh, poor sports analogy, but think about those early Christians. It must have felt a lot more or even worse than that one in seven time, right? I mean, they're getting whooped. <laughs> They've lost everything. They've lost their teacher, their rabbi, the one that they followed, their leader. Many of them, see, while, while Jesus was on this earth, they thought he was going to come and establish his earthly rule, right? Establish a kingdom in Jerusalem. But now he's dead. It's a scary time. It's an uncertain time for them. But then, what happens? A couple of days later, he's not dead anymore. He's alive. He resurrects from the grave. And couple that with the day of Pentecost and put that together and everything changes. With Jesus raising from the dead and with the Father sending us the Holy Spirit, the disciples don't have to try to win the next eight games in a row to go nine and seven. No, it's a whole new ball game, right? A whole new ball game. Records go out the window. The Holy Spirit changes everything. We, um, last week, I loved last week, by the way. That was a wonderful service. And we looked at Peter and John and the other disciples and how they're walking by this power of the Holy Spirit. And they're spreading the good news of who? Of Jesus, Jesus Christ. We looked at how we are a part of that discipleship chain of disciples making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We're playing our part in this 2,000 year long relay race in being led by the Holy Spirit. But when you look at these early Christians in the Bible, one of the areas that you see them really being led by the Holy Spirit is how they engage in Jesus centered community. Jesus-centered community. Something supernatural is happening with these early Christians, like no one had ever seen before. The community that begins to be built amongst them is incredible. We find it recorded in the book of Acts. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open to the book of Acts. Chapter 2, 42. I'm actually going to read this verse twice today. But you're going to get a glimpse of what this community looks like. 
Again, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and of prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread together, so they ate together, it says, with glad and sincere hearts. They were together. They were together. They spent a lot of time together. And for myself, I kind of like together. So when I first read a passage like that, I'm like, hey, I want that, right? I want to be able to spend time together, worship God together, eat together, share things together. It sounds great. But the reality of being together, like if you've ever been married or if you've ever had like a mom or a dad or someone raise you, the reality of being together is that together is pretty messy, isn't it? Together is exhausting sometimes. It can be emotionally and physically draining. Together means we are surrounded by other people, other people's problems, other people's dysfunction, their insecurities, their health issues, their money issues, their relational issues. Basically, we are surrounded by a mess. And newsflash, a mess that you contribute to with all of your problems, your dysfunction, and your issues. You do, by the way. (laughs) You're not perfect. And this sounds awful, but don't you just sometimes want to just move away from it all? Is that just me? Because I do all the time. Right? Just move away. Maybe, you know, take my family because they're good. Like six out of seven days with my family. The other day, just myself. We want to flee from together. We, you've all probably done it at one time or, not, or another in church, right? You had a season where you were really involved in church, another season where you weren't involved at all because you were hurt or offended or used and abused, whatever might have happened. But as mature Christians, as much as we have that tendency at times, we understand that God has called us to community, that we're better together. It's very clear in the Bible. We are called the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you has a part to play in it. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, God has placed the part, so that's you, in the body, every one of them, we're talking about you, just as he wanted them to be. So you and I have a part to play in the body of Christ. So we don't need a bunch of renegade parts going off by themselves and trying to be the body. It doesn't even look right, right? That's just weird. So you weren't meant to live in isolation by yourselves as much as sometimes that sounds glorious and wonderful, right? You want to move to an island by yourself, but we all know that doesn't work. We've seen the movie. You go crazy and you become best friends with a volleyball named Wilson. It never works. So our call, our great commandment is to love God and to love others. Say love God. Love Love others. Not a life lived in isolation, but in relationship with God and others. I talked about this last week. You can't love God and not love others. Maybe you've tried it, but you can't love God and not love others. If you're having difficulty loving others, your inability to love others will negatively affect your relationship with God. We saw this in the story of the sheep and the goats. Jesus tells us we will be separated as the sheep are separated from the goats. The righteous, wait, the sheep from the goats. The righteous from the unrighteous. The sheep are on the right hand. The goats are on the left. Now the righteous, who are they? They're the ones that gave the hungry something to eat, gave the thirsty something to drink, invited in the stranger, gave clothes to those who needed clothes, took care of those sick people, and they took in the prisoner. Or no, they visited the prisoner. Now the unrighteous, Jesus makes it very clear so that we can understand. The unrighteous are the people that did none of that, right? Righteous, all of those things. Unrighteous, nada. But everything that describes the righteous 
involves getting messy, doesn't it? Think about that list. It involves getting into someone else's life, getting off the island, jumping into real community. And with that being said, this is a new chapter at Lifespring. And I am very excited about this new chapter. I, I like to joke about it, but this is fun. I, I'm having a blast. I, I don't think I'll ever go back to one service. I love getting to share Jesus with more people, and I'm ready for the third one. And I just, yay, God, this is fun. As scared as I was, I'm not scared anymore. I'm just ready to go. But with this new chapter, I think it's important that we get to know each other. As messy as we are and as much as we kind of just want to know two or three people and really like this seat that I sit in every year for 10 years, I'm just going to encourage us to just, just work it out a little bit, right? Just, just, just stretch and, and, and work it out a little bit. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to do meet and greet round two. And, this, and there's specific instructions on meet and greet round two. You have to meet someone that you've never met before. This might take some work. It might make you have to go from this side of the room to that side of the room, but we're going to give you time to do it. Some of you will never come back to this church again because you go, I ain't having you tell me what I'm supposed to do. I don't listen to anybody except for my wife. But still, that's what we're going to do. Oh, it's so fun. So let's continue to stretch ourselves in this area. We just get kind of complacent and lazy, but... We got to get to know the people around us because, see, as you walk through this life, there's probably going to be times where you might need them. It's true. You, you might need them. Life hits us hard. And often it's the support and the encouragement and the prayers of those around us that makes it so we can even make it through those difficult and hard times. In fact, I just heard one of you talking this past week about a gentleman in this church. There's a, a guy in our church. He, I mean, wow, talk about a hard time. Life was just hitting him, throwing all of its punches at him. And yet again and again, another guy from our church, a part of this community, stepped up to help this other gentleman. And he gave to him. He supported him. He, 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 I mean, literally, he told me that this guy, he came to his house and, and they prayed for 45 minutes together. And another time he came to, uh, he was way out, stuck out in uh, South Hill. And, and the guy is living out towards Federal Way. And he drove all the way out to South Hill to help him. I love hearing stories like that. That's what it should look like. In fact, that's why I think life groups that Rachel talked about earlier, are so important. As your pastor, I desperately want to see you connected in a life group. Because I've noticed that the people in life groups, they look out for one another. They care for one another. If someone brings up a need or, or a request during a life group meeting time, often that need or that request is met before they even leave the group. Have you noticed that? One of our life groups, they just helped move one of their own two weeks ago. We've seen life group members help each other out financially. We've seen them uh, visit each other in the hospital. We've seen them pray for each other, break bread together, eat dinners, go to shows together, even go shopping together. I'd never be a part of that life group. But anyways, the community and the relationships that are built in these life groups become very strong. Uh, one of my favorite things that happens is this. I'll, I'll try to set up a meeting with one of you and, and you'll say, Pastor Dan, sir, I can't meet that night because that's the night that my life group meets. And you guys are just really serious about your life groups. And, and to be honest, that's exactly how I think it should be. I love that. And when our good friend Bill Nod passed away, I love seeing how his life group stepped up to encourage Early and her family, to serve Early and her family, to encourage them, help them. And what a blessing their life group was during that time. I was just talking to a friend of mine who's in a men's group, and he was sharing how he actually looks forward more going to that group than he does to church on Sunday mornings because in that group he knows he can be honest and he can be real and he knows that this group of men truly love him, care for him and want to listen to him and be there for him. And these groups, they have a strong bond, a strong bond. And how is this possible? How does a group, I mean, think about it. How does a group with different individuals, with different interests, different personalities become a strong community? Does anyone have an idea? Thank you. I was like, we're in a church, so that's... Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. The, the strength of a life group is found in the person of Jesus Christ. As you break bread together, as you share together, cry, laugh, pray together, you are creating an environment that welcomes His presence, welcomes the Holy Spirit. And this makes life group different than any other social club, any other get-together. Uh, Matthew 18, 19-20 talks about the difference. <clears throat> this is Jesus. He says, again, truly I tell you, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. That's what life groups are all about. 
joining together in the name of Jesus. And I love that we can have confidence that when we meet together, the Lord, Jesus, is in our midst. He's with us. He's with us. He's not aloof. He's not distant. He's present. He's actively engaged. He is with us. That's what separates a life group or any other group that focuses on the Lord compared to all the other get-togethers in the world. It's Jesus. We got Jesus. Isn't that an encouragement to you that regardless whether the setting or the place or the time that when we meet together, that we have Jesus in our midst. And so today we're asking you to sign up for a life group. We're not going to force you to do it. We're not going to condemn you if you don't. Many of you are already in a group. Maybe it's not technically called a life group, but you get together, you talk about the Lord and you pray together. That's great. I'm not going to get all legalistic about it, but we feel so strongly about the benefits of a life group that we're going to encourage you strongly to sign up. After the service, we're going to have sign-ups out in the lobby. Um, Even some of the life group leaders are going to be out there ready to talk to you. You can meet with them. You can ask them questions about the group. You can find out where they meet or when they meet, and it's, it's going to be right after service. But before that, right now, I actually wanted to take some time. I wanted to bring up a couple of our life group leaders and and let them talk a little bit about their group. So would you welcome with me to the stage, Karen May and Jason Ide. All right. Yeah, go ahead. So I'm going to start with you, Karen. Your group, as exciting as it is, I don't think I'm ever going to go to it. So maybe (laughs) instead of people just thinking that I'm rude, maybe you could share a little bit about your group. Hello. (laughs) All right, women. Where are you? Let me hear you. (laughs) One. Woman. One Randy woman. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) All right. We're in church. Anyway. Okay. So it's for women. We're going to do 20 and up. Um, It's not like 20 to 30 or 20 to whatever I want. 20 to 95. I don't care. Um, So we're going to go through a book, and it's called Journey to Freedom. And because I'm jealous of men's fraternity, we need to start a group, actually. Jealousy, yes. <laughs> no, but really, I, I love the community and the strength of the men in this church. And it's, to me, it's really inspiring, and I've never seen it in any other church that I've ever been to. And so I want to see that in the women, too. So, yes, it's going to be every other Wednesday night. And right now we're meeting at Rachel's, unless, like, 50 of you sign up, and then we'll find a new place to go. <laughs> so, so, yeah, what, what, what are you praying for? With this group, what would you love to see? Mm. I don't know, just everything you talked about. Everything I talked about. <laughs> yeah, community, right. love, prayer. <laughs> awesome. I just, right. yes. so if you're a woman here and you want to Thank be a part you. of a group that is women and you can talk about God and women, I think this is a great group for you to join. Would you give it up to yeah. Karen May? So our group meets on Wednesday nights as well. Even though it says uh, Tuesday out there, we had to change it to Wednesday so we can get a lot more people. Uh, We have about 14 people in our group, so really we're kind of full at the moment. So, But we take Acts uh, 2.46, and we actually meet and break bread together. So we have dinner every Wednesday night together as a family uh, group. We all kind of bring parts of the meal together, and we join and uh, start out that way. And then we get into the Word. Um, a lot of times we're looking at different uh, uh, scripture series, you know, from Saddleback to um, right now we're in Louis. We're using Louis Giglio's uh, Indescribable and How Great Is Our God series. And we're kind of going through that. It's been pretty amazing to just look at the awesomeness of God through our group. And then this year we've really taken a focus on not just praying for each other, but kind of keeping a prayer journal as a group so that we can go back and look at the answers to prayer that we've seen. And so um, it's pretty awesome to be able to see that each week or every few weeks when we go back and just, hey, how did God answer this prayer? And so, awesome. yeah. Good. So, and so, like Jason said, he's full not because, like, he's, like, you know, whatever, bad word, I would say. Yeah. He's full because he's full. Their house isn't that big and they have no more room. And so I would just encourage you to sign up. For a life group, but even as we're talking, as, as we're stirring um, up the, the passion within you and the desire within you, it might be time for you to start a life group. Have you, have you ever thought about it? it's kind of scary and your home's a mess and the cat just you know did his thing in the carpet and you haven't cleaned it up yet? But I would just encourage you, relax. My cat did the same thing. I'm not going to judge you, okay? So uh, I would just encourage you that we do need 
more life group leaders. But uh, again, thank you, Jason. Thank you, uh, Karen. It's going to be awesome to see this next season uh, in both of your groups and see all the wonderful things God's going to do. And uh, I can't wait. Can we give it up one more time for them? Full. <laughs> no, what's your group called? Wednesday night group. What'd you say? Uh, no, it's just a life, just a life group. Yeah, no age limit on those. And we actually have a couple. We have a new one starting up. Um, Al and Kelly Lind are uh, starting one up. What night is that one? Friday night. And then we have Bob and Deanna's. And we have what other ones? Do we, have? we have John and Karen Herbertson. We have all kinds of groups. But uh, I would encourage you to go to one. One I would say about life groups and. Did you, by the way, did you ever see the pics? Was it your life group that had the uh, dinner? They, they did this amazing dinner where they, um, was it Thanksgiving? And then were you, were you guys the ones that made t-shirts that one time? And, yeah, they did t-shirts um, from Micah 6-8, right? And you guys served at a food bank. Was that you guys? And they've served at the community dinner. That's really like the next level of a life group is when you kind of take it to where you're serving others. In fact, I would encourage you. I think that's one of the powerful things about a life group is the, the spirit of giving, of really serving and giving. And it's a, it's a selfless giving, isn't it, and that you'll notice in some of these groups. And, it's, it, and you see it in Acts 2.42, like he was talking about. You see the spirit of giving, the selfless Giving It turns from just being about you and your issues, because now you've gotten off the island, you're now in community, you're now surrounded by the mess that includes yourself, but you get just from being isolated and focused on your problems, your mess, your issues, and now you're becoming a little bit more about the greatest commandment, aren't you? You see that? When you're, when you're breaking bread together, now you actually care about somebody else. As Scary as that is, right? But you begin to care and have concern about someone else. If, if life is all about you, you just hoard and you collect and you gather. And by the way, you never have enough. I, we've all tried to live that way at different times. But when life is about someone else, when life is about someone else at that Thanksgiving dinner to your right or to your left, when God, life is about God, honestly, you begin to give. From a gratitude, from an appreciation of all that God has done and is doing in your life, you give. You begin to see people with different eyes. Have you noticed that? In community, God just begins to give you different eyes. You begin to see people as God sees them. You show them compassion. You help people in their need. You give. And with that kind of spirit, a community is born. A beautiful community. Jason and I, a beautiful community. What Karen's going to be doing in that women's group. A beautiful community. Now, I see this happening at LifeSpring, but I also wanted to help, and I see it happening in our life groups, but I also wanted to help facilitate this more general as a church as a whole. And so one of the steps I took this past year is we launched the I Have, I Need ministry. Some of you still don't know what that is, but the I Have, I Need ministry, it's, it's a simple ministry. If you have something that you'd like to give or offer to someone else, there's a piece of paper, you fill it out, you fill out the I have, I need form, and you tell us what it is. There's a catch, though. It can't be something you're trying to sell. It's not an opportunity for you to make money. You, by all means, if you want to sell something on Craigslist or on eBay, go do it. But that's not what this ministry is for. And it can't be junk. That's another issue. You can't just you know, try to get rid of it. It has to have some quality to it. It has to be an item that is useful. So, so the filter I would put through it is free and useful. Would you say that with me? Free and useful. So maybe you have a toaster to offer. Or maybe a kid's play set because all your kids grew up. Or maybe a lawnmower. They all have to be working. Okay? Don't give the play set with the slide that only goes halfway down. I mean, that's, that's not going to work. <laughs> it would be funny, but it's not going to work. But maybe it's not something that's tangible. Maybe it's a service like babysitting or piano lessons or teaching how to make a quilt. Or maybe you want to give a cooking class. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. Get creative. But whatever it is, you fill out the form, you hand it in to us. But this is only the first part of the ministry. I have, I need. It also exists to help you with what you might need. 
There are needs that we all have from time to time. I think the best way for us to meet a need is always found in that life group. Honestly, life groups are the best place where the community really knows you, where the community really loves you. But if you have a need, whether you're in a life group or not, we're going to put it out there through this ministry. Often our sunshine ministry, if you know what that is, is able to help with these needs. But sometimes there's one individual who can meet the need of another individual. And that's exactly why this ministry exists, to connect you with each other. Is it making sense? So, so maybe you have a car or maybe you have a bike or maybe you have a television. Maybe you, uh, or I mean, not that you have one, but maybe you need a car, right? You need a car. You put it down. I need a car. Maybe you need a bike, maybe a television, maybe... Um, a lawnmower. You needed that lawnmower. Maybe you need some pot and pans because you moved into a new house and you, you want to be able to cook. Maybe it's not a material uh, need. Maybe you need a mentor. Maybe you need an accountability partner. Maybe you need a tennis partner. I, I don't know. Just get creative with it. I, I'm not going to limit you. Just write it down what you need. Quick story. Trevin, his, uh, my boy, his bike got stolen a couple of months ago. Who would steal my little boy's bike? But they did it. Oh, I just wanted to write a note and leave it on the fence and like, thank you for stealing my boy's bike and making him cry. That was really neat. God bless you. <laughs> I didn't do that. Though. But, but here's the deal. We, we did it. Literally, this is what we did. We wrote down a request on the I need, I have, because we wanted him to have a new bike, but we weren't going to buy him a new one. And pretty quickly after that, one of you saw the need and you gave us a bike, a bike that your son had recently outgrown, and you gave it to us. And it was awesome. And we were able to say, Trevin was gone for a while, and he came back, and we were like, Trevin, here's a bike. And, and we want to see more and more of this. We want to see this Lifespring Church, this community, to truly be this Acts 242 community. Now, some of you might be wondering what this stuff on the stage is. So this is actually some of the stuff that people in our community, in our church, are willing to give. Um, what we got... A couch, uh, electronic dartboard. This is like, uh, what is this? A baby changing thing. We got food processor, blender, slice and dicer. We got um, a wheelchair, if you need a wheelchair. We got some canning jars. Um, there's, this is just an example of it. We got a lot more going on. We have, oh my goodness, it's in your bulletin. We got a sandbox. We got a wood stove hearth, a plastic doghouse. We got all kinds of desk with chairs. We got a vacuum. I mean, seriously, there's a lot of stuff. And I would just encourage you, if, if you want any of these things, just tell Rachel after service. She'll put a little tag that says taken or something or not. You can't have it or something like that. And then she'll put it up here. And then all I would say is, would you pick it up after second service? Because I want to talk about it again. Uh, second service. Already this year, we've given out quite a few things, or actually 2013, we gave away an infant car seat, we gave away this little bumbo seat, we gave away a lot of clothes, we gave away a blender, we gave away not one bicycle, not two bicycles, but three bicycles, which is awesome. We gave away a barbecue, and we gave away a bed, uh, the full, full meal deal, the mattress, the box spring, and the frame. I love it. Ah, it just gets me excited. And, and my favorite part of this is many of you are already doing this. You don't even need a ministry to do it. I, I love that. You're seeing a need and you're meeting the need. You are giving. And I, I pray that we would continue to cultivate a spirit of giving in this church. That we would give, this is important, that we would give without expecting anything in return. In fact, that this stage would be filled to the ceiling with good quality items that other members in our church could use and be blessed by and that we would find a blessing in our giving and my prayers that our giving it would go beyond way beyond just things or or money but that our giving the spirit of giving would be in everything that we say everything that we do that we would truly become like jesus jesus who the bible tells us that jesus he came to this earth he made himself nothing taking the form of a servant taking the form of a servant he came to serve he came to give. He's the perfect model of what it looks like to give. In Acts chapter 20, it tells us that Jesus said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Luke chapter 14, we find Jesus. He's in the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath. He begins to talk to this Pharisee. Listen to what Jesus says. This is so good. Verse 12. He, so Jesus he also went on to say to the one who had invited him, listen up, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, 
Don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. Wow, that was everyone that I would invite. (laughs) He says, don't invite them. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return. And that will be your repayment. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And you will be what? You will be what? Blessed. Since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. He tells us that we will be blessed when we give without expecting to be repaid. And that can be so hard, right? I mean, most of the time we have a motive, right? We give out of the motive of wanting something in return. We do this in our marriages. We do the dishes or we do the laundry or we clean the bathroom. And you better believe that we make our spouse know that we did those things because we want something in return. We do. Maybe we want them to be nice to us or or we want a thank you or or just some form of appreciation. Maybe we're looking for sex or maybe we're looking for a quality time together as a reward for our service. We do it with our kids. We buy them clothes. We feed them dinner. We take them to school. But we want something in return. What do we want? We want them to do what we say. We want them to listen to us. At work, we do this with our boss, right? To try to get a raise. As a student, you volunteer at the clinic to pad your resume. Often, we give to the poor so we don't feel so guilty about being rich. Right? That's a zinger, but it's true. Like, oh, now I can check off that I did my humanitarian thing. I don't have to feel so bad about all the things that I have. There's always... This motive, we we give good things because we know that it will cause us to receive something good in return. Maybe physical, often emotional. But giving of ourselves when we know we won't be repaid, that's a whole other ballgame. It doesn't come naturally to us in the flesh. It doesn't make sense to the flesh. It doesn't make sense outside of the mind of Christ. But with the mind of Christ... All you brothers and sisters in Christ who have the mind of Christ, we can remember that it is better to give than to receive. Again, Jesus, he is our greatest example in this. Listen to this. Mark chapter 10, verse 43 through 45. He says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. What an example to follow. Again, to love God, to love others. Not to expect anything in return. Just follow the example of Jesus Christ. Give of ourselves for the sake of God and for others. And I strongly believe that the I have, I need ministry is an area where we will actually begin to see the spirit of giving develop more and more in this church. Where we can expect to give without expecting anything in return. And I hope we can grow in the spirit of giving and our tithing as well. You know, I'd love to see it where more of us were tithing, that we would be giving to the Lord, that we would be trusting Him with our tithe. Again, not expecting anything in repayment. Now, there's a blessing to be sure when we tithe. I mean, how the Lord has blessed me and my family throughout my life, overwhelming blessing. In fact, God says this in Malachi 3.10. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will, this is so good, will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I mean, that's so good. I love that verse. But even though that there is this blessing for the one who tithes, I, I hope we don't just see tithing as this spiritual ATM machine or this Holy Ghost slot machine where you put the money in, you pull the lever, and you hope to hit the lucky sevens, right? Hit the jackpot. I, sometimes I feel like that's what is on the Christian TV. But, I, no, I, you know, for me and my, my family, for my house, we give to the Lord. Not because we're trying to, you know, strike it rich. No, we give to Him because we're just so thankful. We're, we're a cheerful giver. We're grateful and thankful for all that He has done in our life and is doing in our life. We give because He's worthy. And I'd say if you're a younger person here, if you're in your teens or your 20s or early 30s, uh, here's the deal. Begin to cultivate the spirit of giving now. Don't wait. Don't wait till you have more money. There will never be a day where you're just going to be sitting in luxury and wealth in your living room going, what should I do with all my money? Maybe I'll give it to God. That day will never 
come. Give them your first fruits. Give them your best. For some of you, it might mean $5. If it's $5, then give them $5. For others of you, you're like, how could I even tithe? I don't even have a job. So for you, maybe it's not financial giving because you have no money to give. But still, you give them your first. And you give them your best. For you, maybe it's you giving him your time, your best time. Maybe involving you helping someone move or mowing someone's lawn. Maybe you're cleaning somebody's house or donating goods or holding a Bible study. Whatever it is, you just begin to give. Give. Begin to love God and to love others. Give without seeking anything in return. And you're going to grow to become more like Jesus Christ. It was kind of fun last week. Do you remember what we did at the end of service? We gave out $5 Starbucks cards. We gave out 150 $5 Starbucks cards. It was so fun. If you, if you weren't here last Sunday and you, and you need one, we'll, we'll give you one. We prayed over the cards and we told you we were sending you out, right? I said, go. We're sending you out by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. We're sending you out to give, right? It, you, you were giving without expecting anything in return. You were just being sent out to give, to be led by the Holy Spirit. To give somebody a card or give someone a drink, just whatever you did, you had to do it as an act of obedience to what God was calling you to do, right? That you would be led by the Holy Spirit. For our family, it was wonderful. It was an awesome experience. We actually gave the cards to the family next door. They had just moved in a couple of weeks ago. We hadn't introduced ourselves yet. So I grabbed the three kiddos, and we, uh, it was before Trevor's basketball game, and we walked up there to the house, knocked on the door. There they were. We give them a Hallmark card, stuffed in the Hallmark card, were the Starbucks cards. And, and it was great. But here's what You know what happened? We started to talk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we actually had a conversation. I was able to talk about how I'm a pastor. They actually talked about how their 10-year-old really wants to come to youth group or come to Sunday school. I don't know about the rest of them, but for some reason, the 10-year-old really wanted to go to Sunday school. And that's probably going to happen. It was wonderful. And God led me to be able to have a conversation with a really awesome family. And I thought it would be kind of, kind of encouraging today to give some time to let you share how you use the card. Um, maybe you can tell us how God showed up through the whole experience. Maybe you've never done anything like this before. Even the thought of doing something like this terrifies you. But maybe you did it. Or maybe like me, it, it opened up a conversation. and you were, you were able to finally talk to someone about well, I don't know, the Seahawks or the Mariners or maybe even about Jesus. So uh, the ushers are here. All you need to do is raise your hand and we'll have someone uh, give you a mic. It doesn't have to be earth shattering or life changing. They don't have to have fallen on their knees confessing all of their sins and, you know, going to be a missionary in Kenya. I'm just just relax. Just anything where God showed up and showed up. So uh, who wants to be the first person? Just go ahead and raise your hand. And um, so her mom a couple of years ago lost her leg in a car accident, so she hasn't been able to work. And so she's on disability as a single mother. And this girl, Haley, in my fourth period has been, like, struggling. And they went to New York before Christmas, but then, like, for some reason they got back and they lost their home. So they've been staying in a hotel through the holidays and stuff. So God called me to give the cards to her and her mother. And, Yeah. Uh, I think it was last week we were kind of delinquent on picking up our mail. So our mailbox got kind of full. And a lot of it was due to Joseph receiving some guitar pedals that he had ordered. But our mailman showed up at our door and was pretty angry. I didn't see that. Joseph told me about it. So I put it in our mailbox for our mail carrier. And he... Well, I didn't. I haven't talked to him, but he responded with the envelope with just a happy face on the envelope. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Love it. Anybody else? There's a boy in my choir class who, um, actually, during school last year at the end of the year, um, tried to commit suicide. And he's a really, really great kid and always 
um, you know, usually pretty positive, so we never really understood, you know, why why that was going on. And he uh, he's not really all there in the head, but he's, you know, super, super nice in them. You know, a lot of times he gets bullied for, you know, for the things that he's done and stuff. But so I actually um, put a note just, you know, thanking him for his friendship and stuff um, and his choir slot along with the card or along with the card. Um, you know, and he just uh, got accepted to Western. So it was just, you know, kind of congratulations and stuff. And um, and he received that and he told the teacher and the teacher went on for about an hour about how um he was so thankful that, uh, you know, people were blessing people just in his classroom and that, you know, our classroom was that kind of family to, to do those sort of things and that, you know, God was showing up in that way. So that was really cool. Yes, that's awesome. I love it. Very cool. Let's do some more. At least three or four more. <laughs> I get it. I get that from my wife. <laughs> So I go walk as much as I possibly can every day, and I was walking on River Road, or River Trail, and it just a couple was running by, not really running, but kind of jogging in place, and I just felt the need to stop and be a little bold, which isn't easy for me usually. This is pretty bold for me. Um, so I stopped and talked to them, and I told them a little bit about my story. I told them about the church, and come to find out she was basically doing the same thing I was. She was there rehabilitating and her ankle was cut in half by a boat propeller. So it was just kind of confirming that those two were the people I was supposed to speak to. And she encouraged me by, because she's a lot further along than I am on rehabilitation, but it was an encouragement to me also. Wow. That's amazing. Um, I had the opportunity, I have a coworker that I team teach with and we've been sharing back and forth and she knows that I go to church and I work um, here and help out and she's struggling. She's living a life that's not at all what we would consider appropriate as Christian. And um, But she's been sharing with me and being able to just get encouragement from me in that and um, I know that she's been really having a hard time. And so last week um, in our team room, I said, I know you've been struggling and I just want to bless you with a cup of coffee and um, on your way to work one day this week. And she's just like, really? And she was just overwhelmed just to the fact that I gave her a simple um, coffee card um, and stuff. And so I'm hoping that it will open the door to further encourage her and talk with her and just be a friend um, where she doesn't have a lot of friends. So. Really good, Rachel. A couple more. Challenge Nerve wracking as it is. Yeah, go ahead. Last September, I felt um, moved to pray for our new superintendent. And um, I ride my bike through his neighborhood on my way to work every day. And God has just left him on my heart and then continued to pray for him. So, I shared the card with him and, and just some specifics about how, how I am praying for him. Amen. We got one more? One more? Going once. Going twice. So, there it sold. <laughs> well, there's a co-worker of mine that has been like a rock in my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's I've never uh, heard that analogy, by the way. It's really awesome. Well, I, I was going to say very irritating, and I thought, no, that's not it. So, but anyhow, uh, uh, this one day when I when I went to work, it happened to be at the back of the store where we were alone, and I I just took one look at her and knew she was in bad shape, and so she opened up to me, and I just prayed with her right there on the spot. And uh, then just last week, she came into work, and she said, I've got to be angry because if I don't, I'll cry. And she's been in uh, counseling with her husband. And things are really, really bad where they're concerned. But it's the fact that God has opened the door for her to, you know, talk with me. And she knows that I pray for her. And she's a Christian. 
So, but it's just that reaching out when they're struggling so hard and forgetting how I feel. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and I love what Catherine said and, and even what everybody said is, you notice it's not about the card? Like, whatever. I mean, it's $5 Starbucks card. It's about the spirit behind the card. It's the, about the attitude behind the card that would be helping your coworker that says, I have to be angry because if I wasn't angry, I would be, I'd just begin to cry. Or, or for a superintendent that you've been praying for for months and months and to be able to talk, you know, again, opening up conversations. So I just encourage us as a church that we would get excited about this spirit of giving, that we would follow the example of Jesus Christ and that we would serve. And, and that you notice that there's not a lot of depressing stories in there like, well, I gave and, you know, like these are like encouraging stories. I gave and they, they shot me, you know. No, I mean, it's like, yeah, and they really appreciated it. <laughs> and so I just encourage you, like, sometimes we're just uh, fearful about this, or should I give, or, you know, I, don't, I can't give, or whatever it is. We have all these excuses. Just relax. Let the excuses uh, go by the wayside and, and begin to cultivate this spirit of giving like Jesus. And uh, with that, we are starting this new series, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, lately, we've been doing a couple of series. We did a series on Elijah. We did a series... Uh, uh, called First Christmas, which was really fun. But this time we're going to do the kind of the verse-by-verse verse, uh, walk through of the book of James. It's personally my favorite way to uh, go do, do church is just the verse-by-verse. Verse. That's how I'm wired. It's, it's what I like. And so I try not to do it all the time because I know other people like different things. But we're going to go back to, uh, I guess, my wheelhouse, so to speak. So we're going to go verse-by-verse through the book of James. It's going to be fun. But I would encourage you as, as we go through it, to continue to allow the spirit of giving to rise up. And even like this week, as much as you were praying about who to give the card to, pray about who you would ask to come to church, right? Because think about this in, in the sense of inviting people to church. And I'm talking to myself. I, I, sometimes I struggle with this. But when I'm not inviting anyone to church, that's showing how selfish I am. Because I want this church just to be for me and, and the music to be for me and the people to be for me. But when I give, I'm actually inviting someone else into the equation. And I'm saying, you know what? I enjoy this. Sandy Gascoigne is amazing at this. You know, she's always inviting people. But, you know, I have this place that I love. And I don't want to keep it to myself. It's a gift. I want to share it with others. And so she'll uh, give and, and invite people to come in. And I just encourage us that this is going to be a powerful season of the church. I've been praying to the Lord and He speaks bold truth into my life. For so oft, so oft, so many years of my life, I was afraid to dream. I was afraid to have visions. And, and, and just recently, the Lord has given me dreams and given me visions. And, and I am full of faith. I'm encouraged. I'm, I'm, a, I'm encouraged by how he's challenged me, how he's seen where I'm afraid. And he said, that's where I want to work, <laughs> is right where you're afraid. And I just want to encourage you. He's going to challenge you as well. He's going to stir you up for the things of God. He's going to stir you up for his plans and his purposes. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I guarantee you, you're not going to be the same when we get done with this series on James. If you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, if you allow yourself to open up to God and his plans and his purposes, you will be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit by the time we are done with this series. So invite people. Invite yourself. Don't sleep in. 845, we've got plenty of time to sleep in. Get here early. Pastor Dan, get here on time. And um, it's going to be fun. So if you have someone that you know that needs to hear the gospel of, truth, uh, gospel of Jesus Christ, if you know someone that needs to hear the truth, again, from the Word of God in their life, invite them. And don't wait any longer. Just get over the excuses. Share Jesus with them. Share life with them. Invite them to church. Be the light of the world. Be the salt of the earth. Invite them to be a part of this Jesus-centered community. Okay? Let's make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? Lord God, I'm so thankful that your son came not to lord it over us, not to squish us like bugs, not to use the, what, the magnifying glass of God and burn us like ants, Lord, but yet you came to love us. I'm just so thankful, God. You could have been anything. I, I'm blown away by that all the time, that you could have been anything. You could have been a God who just wanted to smite us all the time. But yet you're a God who loves us. You're a God who loves us. And you love this world and you love this world through us. And I just pray, Lord, that even as that song was saying so beautifully earlier, Lord, that we would once again just accept that you love us. 
We are so insecure. We're, we're, we're broken. We're shattered. Our, our confidence is gone. And we feel so dirty and filthy and worthless. But I pray that your love would once again shower us, God. Just overwhelm us. That your grace would overwhelm us once again. And that with that sure foundation, with that knowledge that we are holy and blameless in Christ Jesus, that we would go out and we would invite people, that we would go out and we would give, we would go out and we would serve. That with the knowledge that we are accepted and loved by you, Jesus Christ, that we would go out into this world and make a difference for your kingdom, God. I pray that we would be a church who makes disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. That we would be a church who gives of ourselves, not expecting anything in return. But that each one of us, God, would realize that we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. The power to change lives. The power to transform communities. That within us right now, in this group, this 845 group, we have the power of God. The power to change this community for Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us, that we would see that we have brothers on our left and sisters on our right, that we have a power-packed community, a strong community built upon the strong tides of Jesus Christ, and that we would know that we do not have to be afraid, we do not have to be fearful, but that we can go linked arm in arm, hand in hand, and go into this community and change it for the kingdom of God and for the love of Jesus Christ. I pray that move, just that God's love would be on the move. Just on the move, God. Just your love spreading, even visually, that we could see it with our own eyes, Lord. Just your love, your, your love just spreading, Lord. Your love moving through Safeway and Albertsons and through the restaurants, Lord. Your love going through the tattoo parlors. Your love going through the cigarette places. Your love just beginning to go through the barber shops. Your love going through the community, through the homes, through the streets, Lord. Your love, even, Lord, as people drive up from Puyallup and they have to come up the hill, Lord, that they would have to come through the spiritual community, the love that is found in this place, Lifespring, that they would have to drive through the love of God, Lord. I pray that the love of God and the community of God would be so thick that people would not be able to avoid it any longer. That they'd have to either say, yes to you, God, or no, I reject you. But by the power of God and the Holy Spirit within each one of us, that it would be so thick in this community that there would be yeses and nos, not based on sleepwalking or just walking through this life in passivity and, and being mundane about it, but there would be an intentionality that says, Kent Ross loves Jesus Christ. Kent Ross has the hope of glory in him, Jesus Christ, and that I either have to say yes to Jesus or I have to say no to Jesus because Kent Ross is something different, something supernatural, something just weird about Kent Ross, and it's Jesus. And I either have to say yes or no to Jesus because of the love of God that's displayed through Kent Ross. And I pray that over each one of us right now, God, that we would not waste another day in passivity, not another day trying to live on an island by ourselves, not another day by ourselves alone, away from the mess, that we would dive headfirst into the mess of people, into the mess of brokenness, of addictions, and we would head first into that community, God, that you called us to serve. And we say yes to you, God. And we pray and we declare and we celebrate that this community is going to say yes to you, God, once again. It's not over. It's not finished. We're not hopeless. That truly, God, revival can take place in this community. By the grace of God and by your love, we say amen. Amen.